You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. And tonight we're having a a special uh, blast from the past episode of Fusion Patrol. Long-time listeners will know that many, many years ago, we did Man from Atlantis. But we did not actually finish the Man from Atlantis. There are two remaining episodes of Man from Atlantis. And we're going to fill that in now and make this the only podcast in the world that's ever done Man from Atlantis episode by episode. So we'll start. We're looking today at Crystal Water, Sudden Death. There's no logic to which two episodes it is. They just happen to be the ones that we didn't do. And uh, I've got a treat here. I found my notes from when I watched this in 2015 in preparation for recording the episode that never happened. So many things have changed. And, and, well, the, the the way I treat synopses has changed. They're probably a lot more comprehensive now so that people don't have to actually watch the episode. Whereas back then they were a little more TV guide, although they're somewhere in between the two. Like there's this guy who swims in the water without having to have uh, air and uh, he goes on adventures. Uh, maybe not quite that bad, but yeah, oh, it's, okay. it's, it's, not, it's <laughs> not quite at the, the level. So I'm going to actually use the synopsis I wrote in 2015. So here we go. Man from Atlantis, Crystal Water, Sudden Death. Schubert and his henchmen are searching for powerful undersea crystals to use in a plan to dominate the world. In his vintage World War II submarine, he discovers an impenetrable undersea force field. So he does what any evil genius madman would do. He lures his arch-nemesis, Mark Harris, to the force field with the idea that Mark will be able to penetrate it. U.S. government, concerned that Schubert has traveled to this place, which they have the coordinates of, where they think he wants to find something that will help him dominate the world by hatching a scheme to block out world broadcasts, asks the Institute to check it out, rather than taking actions against Schubert themselves. At the coordinates, the cetacean comes very close to hitting the force field, but doesn't. Mark swims through an opening in the force field and finds himself in Southern California, hereafter referred to as Kilborough Deep. Kilborough Deep is populated entirely by mimes, <laughs> who communicate through a series of clicks that Mark can understand. And later, in English, so the audience can understand. Schubert, having been watching Mark penetrate the force field, follows along with his henchmen and, armed with a spiffy scientifical flashlight, dominates the minds of the mimes, turning them into a slave labor force to dig up their own crystals. The crystals supply the power to keep out the ocean overhead, and as Schubert has them dug up, the barrier becomes unstable. Can Mark Harris save the day and rescue the mimes from certain death? Wow, wow, 
Wow. Was it payday at the mime school or what? Oh, yeah. That's like a dream come true to a mime. It's like, wait, wait. You, you, you saying that you want to hire more than one of us? The Is this a joke? school? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, we are going to pull out all the stops for you. It's like, and we won't say a word. Well, wait a minute. We actually do want you to speak. Huh? <laughs> well, that's going to cost you extra. You want a mime who speaks? Okay. <clears throat> so, <laughs> so John, you, you were not with me for the journey through the first parts of Man from Atlantis. And I know that you have been uh, doing a little cramming to catch up in advance. Of yeah. This. Yeah. Well, as, as, as much as I could stand. Yeah. What 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 are your what's your recollection of Man from Atlantis coming into this before you uh, watched a few episodes? Well, okay, what I remember from my youth was a guy who swam like a fish, uh, interesting looking submarines, a bad guy who was very annoying, <laughs> and I think that was about it. I don't remember too much about it. I think it was like eight or something like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and now that you've seen a little bit of it, um, is it is it the classic that just long deserves to be remembered? <laughs> Man, you know, after watching this, I'm scared to watch Buck Rogers or anything else from my youth because I'm just going to regret it. You know, Buck Rogers has the benefit of being purely for purient interest with girls in tight outfits. Well, true. There's there's that. Yes. So, I mean, this they're, they're definitely playing that for a different audience. Yeah. They're, they're not playing that for... 12 year old boys like they are this no no um yeah it uh yeah writing was a lot different back then wasn't it the wow. bar was a lot lower yeah, yeah. so were budgets this really yeah. shows and uh, yeah. I, I don't think they paid writers as much as they do now <laughs> i think the writers had to pay here well, they could be a two here produce the script is my 500 dollars yeah, exactly it's like Hey, Ralph, you got a All great right, racket right. here. Look, these guys are right for free. Actually, they pay us. Hey, yeah. So mm -hmm. science fiction writers are desperate. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hungry bunch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> this, this episode was, I mean, it was not certainly the worst thing I've ever watched. No, I watched that one already. You did. You have. Yeah, you I see did. the imp. Yes, you yep. did. Uh, am I right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I needed an extra helping of eye bleach after that one. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, oh, I maintain so much pain. The Imp is the worst thing I have ever watched in my life. And and I know that uh, that Ben, who was doing the, the Man from Atlantis with me, thought that the Naked Montague, another classic episode of Man from Atlantis, filled that role. So I, I turned that amazing. one off after about five minutes. It amazes me that there are two programs in the same TV series that can can claim that crystal water sudden death is not that bad i mean it's not good don't get me wrong but it's, oh it's not it's not imp level bad um yeah it, it, but it's bad um <laughs> i after watching it i got the feeling that the original story that the script was based on was a whole lot grander you know like i have a feeling that they it specified like an actual underwater city, uh, other under a domes it, and yeah. yeah domes and not like basically aquarium rock dwellings for fish, but big enough for people to walk in. 
you realize that's what they were living in in their little city, right? That's what they looked like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Yeah, boy. And it boy, it raises so many questions. I mean, apart from just the sheer stupid of this this idea <laughs> that there is this force field barrier that's holding out the ocean and beneath it, out in the middle of the ocean, yeah, is southern California. Oh, you know, There's it's the sunlight, uh, blue skies, all the vegetation. Uh, that's the that's the place where they film Planet of the Apes, isn't it? I was gonna do a little bit more research on that and see if that building. I thought that, that was a shrine. Planet of the Apes building. Yeah, I am. Boy, I know those decayed on spot or something and were destroyed, but I I have that in my notes from 2015. It's like, is that a Planet of the Apes building? Yeah, that or maybe some from something from like. Uh, Arc 2 or something like that from about that era. Well, but they may have all been, yeah. Yeah. Intershared between. But I mean, just the, the general area it was shot, too. It, it, it I can't oh, yeah. remember the name yeah. of the place uh, that, that they shot Planet of the Apes. That canyon thing. Canyon yeah, thing, yeah. Yeah. I, I, Where MASH was as well, I believe. Uh, that's the old uh, Paramount Ranch area, I think. That's now a state park. Yeah, I think so. Uh, shoot. You should I don't know feel the like name, looking it up. But yeah, don't bother. It's not, the not intrepid it. listeners can look it up. We are ma- we're you know totally speculating on this thing. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So he just you know pounced, jumps through this barrier and plops down on the top. Well, <laughs> fortunately, nice? that was a high point there, man. Yes. Whew. Well, maybe that's why that's where they put the hole. Oh, and that could be it, I suppose. Yeah. If you needed to get out somehow, although what would? <laughs> why? How, I don't know. How? How? I mean, how did they get it there in the first place? Well, I don't know. I kind of get the feeling that uh, this, the, the, the inhabitants of the little society there are descendants of a race that, uh, you know, mostly died out a long time ago. And uh, obviously don't <laughs> forget their true of mimes past. on the surface, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a dying breed. Uh... And, uh, yeah, it's just a little mime colony set up about. 250,000 years ago and yeah and I don't know maybe they stick their arm up through the hole to catch fish or something I don't know well they don't need to I mean they got all the plants and vegetation and stuff there as long as they're vegetarians they'll be fine yeah I'm pretty sure they're vegetarians don't know if if there's any uh, animals down there but I would assume I saw an insect a butterfly go by the screen oh well there we go they can eat butterflies then it just yeah, I mean, I, I could picture this story being an undersea dome, mm-hmm. you know, like a, like Atlantis, except not Atlantis, right? It would it would make more sense. Mark finds this place. Maybe this is where my people come from. No, turns right. out this is a different group of people who live under the ocean. These people don't breathe water, so silly place to be living. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, you know, they're not scorned for being mines mimes down there. So that's true. That's true. You have to go a long way to find a place where you're not scorned for being a mime. Yeah. (laughs) And some of them, oh, bless their hearts, some of them were really giving it their all. I don't know if you watched when they were doing their mining, but there's one guy, there's the two team of guys working the pole, and 
that the hair there's a there's a later mm-hmm. shot where they're just kind of hammering the thing into the wall but there's an earlier shot where they're like picking it up and they're they're doing the whole you know one hand under one hand over other hand under cock the elbows straighten them up alignment <laughs> bring bring yeah. shoulders into position Ooh, move <laughs> yep <laughs> and they're, they're totally in the back of the scene they it's nothing but backdrop going on and you're thinking yeah they're just like they're going full on mime here because they can <laughs> well yeah i mean they're, they're, they're probably it. told to kind of mime it up because you know as they were walking they kind of had that weird mm-hmm. really slow mm-hmm. very deliberate walking gait and and definitely the two of the three uh guest stars well, they're mm-hmm. they're named click, click one, one click two, two and three three <laughs> yeah two yes. of them are are definitely mimes one of them is a mime and magician who still does shows apparently the, the other guy that guy is a bit uh more muscular oh the jerk yeah i, I saw him on the mime the, the uh the gong show there's a video <laughs> of him say- out there I thought you said the, we're going to say the mime channel, and the, I the thought, wow, channel. I'm glad I don't have cable anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it's a hoot. <laughs> can never tell if the volume's up too high, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, in, in my notes I have, you know, nobody dies better than a mime. <laughs> you know, if you want someone to have just the... The, the utmost of uh, emotive qualities and pathos in their, their death, hire a mime and tell them, you know, this is your scene. They'll run with it in place against a heavy wind, possibly in a glass box. Uh, uh, well, you know, Mark got to do a little bit of the fake glass I box. I know. Too. Yeah, that was it's awesome. Like, wonder, Everybody got to do a mime. I wonder if the mimes actually helped him out. You know, like little on-site coaching here. You know, I don't know the history of Patrick Duffy's acting experiences. So I don't think Patrick Duffy ever had any acting <laughs> experiences. Well, that's something else in my notes. But I yeah. believe this is—I believe this is his first job. Oh, okay, it shows. I'm guessing I don't he got mean better. This episode, but uh, well, it might be. Uh, uh, you know, I think Patrick Duffy is uh, hired because. And I've seen Patrick Duffy on on interviews and stuff like this, and he just comes off as a really nice guy. Yeah, you know, I mean, in, in he he's he's classically handsome, and he just he has a likable quality to him. And so, I mean, that those are the kind of people who, in the old days, they would pick up for. He's got star quality, run him, and I think think that's kind of what happened here also i i think i heard him say that they basically when he came in for the interview they they said strip to your underwear yeah and he did and he got the job so um because you know he's he's basically in underwear 90 percent of the time on the show so i I don't yeah but he is not a great actor but then he's he's supposed to be acting weird yeah that's it was a little bit confusing is he acting like an alien or is he just very wooden he so. I, he is believe intentionally i believe supposed to be mr data right i mean he is supposed to be the sort of uh fish out of water no pun intended uh i don't quite have the same emotional range you do uh i'm not native to your language yeah i think all of that is intentional yeah to a point you know it's even the fact that i don't think he uses contractions 
in his speaking. So I think you're right. He doesn't understand idioms very well, but he's picking them up. In a nutshell. Yes. That's right. He's not talking about the almond. The fruit of the almond, I might add, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> okay. And, and a, a, a beauty of this episode, if that is a word we want to use, is that, that you get to experience Mr. Schubert. You know, as annoying as he is, he is probably the most interesting character so far. Hmm. He's a weird one. Uh, yeah. He, he is a, he is a stra- Victor Bono, who, you know, of all things I will say for Victor Bono is he plays weird characters well. Mm-hmm. He's got that kind of uh, Southern lawyer type delivery. He's playing this more Southern lawyer than he does a lot of things. But yeah. 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 He, he, he seems to know how to play quirky you know, he's listening to that that uh, the electronic music of, of classical stuff. You know, all the that is weird. Uh, uh, Carla Will- Schubert. Uh, oh shoot! I'm trying to remember the the person who did the uh, the score for Clockwork Orange. Oh, I don't know. Wendy Carlos. Yeah, and is you know, and then he's musing about you know maybe he'll finish it. It's like okay, that's kind of weird, but sure, why not? You know, it it, it does help give give you an idea that he is overtly brilliant but deeply flawed oh yeah oh yeah you know he's he's got lots and lots of projects going on all at once and yet you have to you have to love a guy that everything he has has to have the name schubert on it oh yeah even his henchmen have it on their shirts i know (laughs) that's awesome you can imagine that he owns i don't know schubert towers uh, maybe he has a line of steaks called Schubert Steaks, mm-hmm. uh, Schubert University. Um, yeah, he he probably would have something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Megalomaniac, yep. uh, although, yeah, this one's a little smarter than some of the other megalomaniacs I can think of right at the top Yeah, of he's not the, the hand-wringing, cackling megalomaniac that you see in a lot of shows. You know, he's kind of the, uh, well, he kind of acts smart, huh? I'm yeah. kind of surprised that his his normal right hand henchman was not in this. Who is that? I can't think of his name, but he's got a guy who is in most of the episodes that Schubert is in, and it's his right hand scientist. He's a little kind of balding, mousy guy hmm. in a lab coat, and uh, he's he wasn't in this one. No, yeah, maybe he was busy I'm, doing something. I'm guessing, and. And I'm just going to go out here and say this. I'm guessing that his character wasn't gay enough for that sub. <laughs> because <laughs> that was the weirdest. <sighs> I mean, come on. The, even the ascots. I mean, it was so overtly. I think those would be called kerchiefs. So they weren't well, like an ascot. They were more like a, uh, a yeah, well, that's true, an ascot in front. But I mean, it's it, in a, in a, weird. A triangle on their backs. Well, that's kind of classical sailor garb, I believe. Part of it, anyways. And I know that they stole it stock footage from Operation Petticoat, but their that's... submarine was pink. Yeah, I have to say, is that the Sea Tiger? It, yeah, hmm. it is. Yeah, it's the only submarine that they have stock footage of in their library. Great. But it just... I mean, come on. What, what, was, <laughs> what was the guy? Conrad? 
Yeah. He was kind of filling the place for the for the, his normal henchman, the guy who does the, the clever stuff and builds the electronics and stuff. And then they cut back to one. I watch this and I'm thinking, are they trying to imply that all of the sailors on this ship are gay? And then right at that moment, they cut back to Conrad sitting up there at the radio doing his nails. Yeah. You know. Like, uh, what? I suppose hygiene is very important when you're a submariner. Man from Atlantis has not shied away from doing terrible, stereotypical gay stuff in other know, like episodes. The, uh, uh, the lights are doing a Mexican hat dance? Oh, my. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was yeah. bad. <laughs> so, uh, it's like, I, I, I don't know what they're... I, uh, between the mimes and the, the sailors and the... Uh, it, it was. It's definitely a thing of its time. It, yeah, nineteen seventy-seven. Hmm. Yeah. What, what? Okay. So there are these crystals. <laughs> yes. Schubert has deduced their existence. Yes, we don't have we don't any idea why. Clever how, boy. Uh, He's deduced yep. that these crystals exist. He also has <laughs> hypothesized that there might be an energy dome where people live. Mm-hmm. underneath it which is a hell of a stretch yeah and he even yeah. goes he even goes there in his conversation with with uh odo um he, <laughs> he uh renee i can't pronounce his last name aubergenois i believe Aubergine, that sounds right i always end up saying aubergine and that's not this <laughs> guy's last that's name that's why i call him odo and um and he even explains, he's like, well, I was, didn't, wasn't sure, but, you know, it was one of my possibilities that there might be a hidden underground land with people who are susceptible to the lamest flashlight oh. ever. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, uh, the War of the Worlds commemorative flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> do you, did, did you have, when you were a kid, do you remember when they used to have aluminum for our British listeners, aluminum for the rest of us, uh, Christmas trees that you couldn't put lights on because they were metal and it was considered a safety hazard. So you got the big, oh, the light, uh, that the shining. light that spun different colors to, sh- to to reflect off the tree to give it, yeah, to give it colors. That's what that made me think of. If that had rotated, that would be a Christmas tree light. Yeah, I kind of expected it to rotate, but it didn't. It's like, oh, no, okay. Just, that would be too much on the budget yeah. for them to do that. budget? What? Yeah, uh, they might have blown a whole five bucks on that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Man. Get one from the prop department and three gels we can afford to cut up. That's right. <laughs> we got to make two of these, so, you know, do a good job. Here's a and, uh, and, of course... And, of course, the mimes got their money's worth from having that light shine in their face, too. <laughs> there you go. That's why you hire mimes. That's why you hire mimes. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I laughed throughout this episode. <laughs> like, I did. I did. It was so... It, it's I, laughably... I didn't awful. laugh as much the second time I watched it. How about that? Oh, God. I didn't do that. <laughs> I did... I did... Well, I have I have watched it more than... Yeah. I have watched it more than once, but I only watched it once for this podcast. I, w- I might have considered doing it, but when I opened up my man from atlantis folder and found i already had notes for it i'm like did we do this episode and i had to go back through all <laughs> the the episodes on the on the website to see no no we definitely did not do this one so this is the one that we just 
said no more. <laughs> like, we cannot go any farther. We Drew the done. line in the sand and said that we're 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 done here. And uh, yeah, so uh, and that's been bugging my OCD for five years. <laughs> so so we're fixing we're fixing that. Um, we got to see. They were obviously short on time too because we got to see the full undocking procedure oh, for man. the cetacean. That took a long time, boy. It did, it did, and the whole, the whole spunky crew, <laughs> the spunky multi-ethnic crew of the starship cetacean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they all got their lines, and uh, see, yeah, even the was... guy in the uh, the, the undersea base got to see yeah. stuff. I would almost line. expect this is the first time we ever saw the cetacean, but I know that's not true. Mm-mm. I don't know whether I don't can't recall whether they ever did the full sequence before because you know it's you know it's stock, right? I mean they film it once and then they use the bits of it that they need mm-hmm. throughout the episodes. So I guess they just needed to pad it out. So yeah, they threw that in. You know, bought them another minute and a half or whatever it was. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Like wow, it was exciting. This is fun. Are we going to watch them take the entire? Uh, 1200 mile journey <laughs> I don't know how far it is I didn't I didn't actually check I did punch those coordinates in maps and figured out where it was it's yeah. a, now uh, Mark said it is southwest of the Hawaiian Islands eh. that's technically true but then so is Panama and uh, <laughs> uh, this is Far closer to Guatemala and Nicaragua. Yeah, I think he got his east and west mixed up. Oh, you're right. It's southeast yeah. too. It's That's southeast. Right. It's like directly south of of uh, San Francisco yeah, and off San the coast Fran. of Mexico. Yeah, just almost, about the almost border due of Guatemala. East, almost due east of Hawaii. Well, it's it's further south than Hawaii, but still, well, I said almost. I I don't know how far it is, but uh, we could have. I could have done the math, but I didn't. We did this once before on the podcast when I think it was the disappearances. We worked out that that submarine must be traveling at well impossible speeds, yeah, because subs aren't that fast, right? Underwater, and uh, I think they have mark out back pushing. That's why they can go so fast. That that would probably be the only thing that they could do. Or maybe he swims in front of him and breaks the water up and makes it Ooh, more pliable go. so they can move faster. You know? He does this little noise thing that kind of makes well, the yeah. water have less friction. Cavitation, yes. It might work. <laughs> Is it cavitation or cavation? I think it's, I don't know, cavitation. That's how I've heard it pronounced. But who knows? It's a really cool effect you get if you have a landslide that hits water really fast. It creates a cavity of water that will produce a super tsunami which is a, a fun thing hmm. if you're not in the line of its path. Yeah, you also get it if uh, an object goes through the water very quickly. It actually lowers the pressure and causes the gases suspended in the water to come out of suspension, making little bubbles, and they make noise. And uh, submarines hate that because if you make a lot of noise, you end up not being a sub. You end up just being parked on the bottom of the ocean in pieces because somebody hmm. shoots you. Yes, that is also how the loudest animal in existence, uh, that, that... Oh, that shrimp? That shrimp. Yes. That's how it makes the noise. That little It slaps so noise. fast that it uh, 
creates cavation or mm-hmm. cavitation, which, whichever it is. It's creating a cave of air, a cavity. That's hence the, hence the word. Science lesson for today mm-hmm. from two people who don't know enough about it to be experts. Uh, so, no. okay. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think we can safely say that neither of yeah. us is, has a degree in that field. So we're, we're uh, potentially stand to be corrected. But uh, let's see. What have we got here on my notes? We have this annoying bit where Mark can't bother to explain things to Elizabeth. Oh, jeez. Man, I was if if I was Elizabeth, the first thing I would do would always sit Mark down and tell him to tell me what just happened. Happened. No, don't have time. Got to go. Bye-bye. He's no. he's done that in many episodes. We're going to flip other switches and make it impossible for you to get out of that airlock. There's like too many switches on that airlock. The, the the technician running it had to like flip two dozen of them and turn a knob and levers and stuff. It's like what the heck? It's a door. Well, you have to pressurize it and all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's the other button. Yeah, that's it. Anyways, yeah. it's good to pad out the 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 episode with fifteen seconds of button pushing. I actually have a note here that says that um, they must have blown their budget on one set of shots. And that was they had to get several shots of Mark Harris mm-hmm. swimming with a crystal. Exactly. I, that was one of the first things I noticed. It's like, ooh, we get new shots of Mark swimming because he's got yeah. stuff in his hands. Yeah, because they're normally the exact same shots over and over again. And I will I, say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when Ben and I watched Man from Atlantis uh, five years ago, uh, the only way you could get Man from Atlantis was really lousy copies off of YouTube. Hmm. Now it's available on DVD. I think it's I think it's print on demand, but it's legitimately available on uh, DVD, which to my shame, I bought. And so, of <laughs> so, course you did. so, so what we're seeing uh, looks so much better than it did the first time through. Uh, I don't think that the first time through I could notice that he was carrying a crystal. I mean, they look like <laughs> the exact same shots. It's just, you know, this time there's actually a crystal in his hand as he's flopping through the water. Let's see. What else have we got? Uh, Schubert looked like Grimace when he was wearing that suit. Um... <laughs> well, purple is his color, apparently. Purple yep. velvet captain's outfit. Yeah. That's oh. another thing could not tell Regal. in the original. But now on the DVDs, you can see that that is a plush velvet captain's oh, yeah. outfit. Royal, royal blue with uh, gold bits and pieces and stuff on it. Yeah. He's, he's living it up like Nemo down there in the deep. <laughs> <laughs> Man. You know someone's truly evil and twisted when they have a chandelier on a submarine. With electric, with electric lights. Well, only in yeah, the same man with the candles on board. Oh, wait, then there is a scene with the candles, right? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, let's see. Washington knows Schubert is an evil genius. Yep. Washington knows Schubert has gotten, has, uh, let's see, attempted to mess up international affairs with a giant jellyfish. He has tried to do mind control of the world with a, a statue. He's huh. stolen, um, tried to salvage one of their submarines. 
I, I would swear my recollection is that he, the cetacean in the pilot was his yeah. and that he had salvaged the Navy submarine because that's what he was. He was a salvage operator. Yeah, that's what I – when I watched the, the episode, it's like, oh, I got it. He, he basically took that ship along with the, the pilot and made the pilot a slave and then he just used the sub. Yay. No, I no, I don't think so. I no? think the cetacean is his because even the base was was like his. It, yeah, it's the same shots, yeah. Yeah. And and he salvaged the navy fear. That's what he was doing. He was stealing other people's ships with it. So, a- anyway, the point is is that somehow between the pilot and the second or third pilot, I think the second pilot, suddenly the cetacean became uh Mark Harris's ship. And uh uh, now Schubert somehow has a cruddy leftover World War II sub that they could only paint pink because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the in-universe story is there, but I, I bet it was left up to the explanation of the viewer or the imagination of the viewer. It it, it could be. Mm-hmm. It could be. Mark, of course, was blinded by the flashlight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it turns out that Mark must be part Vulcan because he has an inner eyelid that he didn't even know about. Yeah. We Atlanteans tend to forget that. Oh, wait, no. Right, exactly. Much like you ignore your appendix. Um, I am always aware of my appendix. What are you talking about? <laughs> Aren't you? Uh, well, I'm now. Yeah, I'm now. <laughs> yeah. I noticed <laughs> It's that like when, breathing. Uh, you, you, once you realize that you have to breathe, suddenly you have to think to breathe. Now, Now I actually have to think to make my appendix do, do its appendices thing yes. yeah to append <laughs> to put appendices on my sentences and words yes um yeah mm-hmm. and the food you eat yes and the f- <laughs> um i how, noticed how, that when when mark was swimming he did not actually spread his fingers and make use of the webbing uh, is that because the appliances wouldn't stay in his hands he get ripped off with the force of the water Probably didn't even think about it. That'd be my guess. I mean, the effect was really good when uh, the, uh, I think it was Click One, uh, looked at his hand and realized that he wasn't a, you know, he had webbed fingers. It's like, yeah, that's actually pretty decent uh, hand webbing there. I can tell you when I was a kid, how many times I tried to make hand webbing like that. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Was it a rubber cement or? uh... Uh, Yeah, rubber cement, white glue, you name it, all sorts of things. We used to... What we used to do, the, the most successful one was to take white glue and put it on the palm of your hand mm-hmm. and let it dry. Then peel it off and then shape it and then glue it again down between the fingers. Hmm. It actually, it was completely useless, of course, in water because it was <laughs> white glue. <laughs> yes. Water is hand It water. didn't last long. But, uh, oh, man, that was, those were the days. Kids these days wouldn't even think of that. They just go straight to playing on their Switch or their PlayStation or Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the the barrier. Yeah. So they're they're digging the crystals out of the hills. Mm-hmm. And taking the crystals out of the hills is causing the barrier to collapse. Yeah, to become weak apparently, yeah. And yet there was a machine yeah. that they that they loaded with crystals that they didn't know about until Mark found it. 
and I get that they took the crystals away from that and so that they were no longer doing the barrier, but, but there was a very real bit of dialogue there that essentially removing the crystals from the mountain was what was causing the, the barrier to collapse. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that the dynamo was amplifying the overall effect of the crystals, the ones that were buried in the the mountains. Sure. Except that they had to feed it crystals like coal. Yeah, well, <laughs> didn't say it was a good theory. Okay, okay. As long as we're... I, I just made it up on three seconds ago, so, too, so... Fair, yeah. fair enough. Why doesn't... Yeah, but anyway, why doesn't the military take care of Schubert? I mean, he's done enough bad things. I'm not sure. In fact, I can't even remember all the bad... Oh, and then he tried to melt our polar ice caps, and he was literally flooding coastal cities around the world. Wow. There was that one. Um, He must have some friends in very high places. He must, because you would think that the military knew all about what he was doing, and yet they still don't do anything about it. Somebody like that, you get a sighting of his sub somewhere, you're just going to go... You know, drop a bunch of ordnance on him. You know, oh, we had an accident. We we dropped and detonated a nuke. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. darn. That was that was definitely a mistake. The depth charges fell out of the destroyer. Yeah. We didn't even know what the was happening. Entire happened. task force. Yeah. Uh, whoops. Yeah. Done. I love the bit that when they finally got saying it was, they said something to the effect of nobody listens to you, fat man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh boy. And then Mark, <laughs> so Mark takes some of the crystal out mm-hmm. and he takes some of it up to Elizabeth so she can analyze it so that, well, they didn't do anything with it. So it doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, have a, have and a crystal then he takes sample. some of the crystal and sticks it in the uh, radio transmitter of Schubert's submarine. Yeah. And I will also point out that one of the things that we researched and for Man from Atlantis uh, a long time ago, paraphrasing it, is that radio signals don't work. No. Underwater. Hydrophones. Um, Hydrophones work. Yeah, not, not, not in the way you think. When a submarine actually wants to communicate, they have to string out, like, hmm. a mile-long cable. Yep. It's and an elf transmitter. Incredibly low frequency transmission yeah it's uh, usually digital and usually a few bits per second it's yeah. very I, very slow yeah it's incredibly slow so uh, you know the 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 video phone and the the regular phone that they have from the citation to the institute and schubert communicating is you know right out so but mm-hmm. with a crystal it's definitely right out and then Mark goes back and he tells them, maybe I blew up your sub. Maybe I didn't need to blow up your sub. How was that a threat? And that's what made them back down. But I, yeah, surely I don't know. that's I mean, a done deal. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, I guess what you're saying is that there's a good chance that we have no way to escape, so I guess we we're better gonna, put the crystals back. Yeah, I suppose, because we're all going to have to live here. I mean, that's what, what uh, the, the right-hand man was saying. You know, why are you taking your chances in the ocean? It's like, well, you can't rule the, the world from the, an island at the bottom of the sea. Which is a great line. Yeah. <laughs> I think I really yeah, slaughtered it, but yeah, it was a good one, actually. It's very difficult to dominate the world at the bottom of the ocean. 
We're an island at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Yep. So he he um Kilborough Deep. He um Schubert left, apparently. Mm-hmm. And went back to his sub and left Scott Free. And his crew stayed behind and took up mime? I I I think they were probably all killed with invisible axes and strangled with invisible rope, but I don't know. I maybe they throttled with their own their... neck kerchiefs. That could be, yeah. Uh, maybe they grabbed their uh, special under deep sea scuba gear and escaped as well. I don't know. Yes, I'm so glad I had the science department come up with this deep sea scuba gear. Just what you know, little peppering of of explanations as to why something works when it shouldn't. It's always interesting where they show up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, isn't isn't the whole point of the man from Atlantis is that Mark is the only one that can do this? Well, true. But I, mean, know, I don't the, know what the, the depth of the water is there. We could look it up, I suspect. Well, uh, he did say that there was a disturbance in the ocean at, uh, oh, let's see, what was it, 3,200 feet? 3,500 feet. And he yeah, says, well, like it's too deep for a whale. They got that right. And it's like, well, that's not right because whales go down to about 6,000 feet. But, oh, well, maybe they didn't know that in the 70s. Yeah, I, I seriously, I am, I am shot. Well, obviously, that they didn't. <laughs> You're right. I didn't catch it. He definitely said it was southwest of Hawaii, but this is definitely southeast of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And, and they gave the coordinates repeatedly in yes. this episode. Yep. You you couldn't get them wrong. So in the past, you know, we've speculated that they make up the coordinates mm-hmm. just out of the blue. I mean, it's not like they throw a map at the a dart at the map and go hit the ocean. Let's use that spot. Find me the coordinates. I think that they just literally pull it out of their rear ends and go. Uh, that place 115 yeah. east by 17 minutes uh, south. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. This place, for our listeners want to know, is 15 degrees, 40 minutes north, 120 degrees west. In case you're just dying to plug that into Google yep. Google Maps. Yeah, it and, seems to be uh, a very flat, uh, boring place. A very, a very flat, boring place. And I am... I'm betting there's a website out there that you can plug those coordinates in and get the ocean depth at that point. And I'm going to look for it when <laughs> we're done because you can put it in the show notes or something. Yeah, there you go. I mean, how deep is the water there? It turns out that there's an island in that one particular spot and it's it's not even two feet. It's an atoll. It's just, Yeah, that would be funny. I can't believe you hit Bird Island right on the money. Yes, stupid. Yeah, that's, where they, they, that's where they did Gilligan's Island. and uh, there. I always kind of figure that that that's where they get the coordinates. The writer, like, has gone someplace or something like that. It's it's like an inside joke. Who's going to uh-huh. look this up? It's going to be on TV for, you know, 10 seconds. And who has underwater charts and stuff like that? Maps. Yeah, exactly. Who, who could do know. latitude and longitude? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. 1977. Who has that sort of access to information? Yeah. Oh, little did they know. I got to tell you something, though. It's, it's when you look at stuff like this, and it, this is totally trivial. <laughs> commentary because i've flown as have you i've flown across the pacific ocean uh-huh in a plane it's, no less in a plane that's, that's right <laughs> it's big oh yeah mind-numbingly big it's you go to sleep big. over the ocean you wake up you're still over the ocean 
You're wondering, and, what the hell have I got myself into? Yeah, and this place is actually relatively close to land, but you know it's a long, long way away, even there. And so I'm, I'm, looking, at the, I'm looking at the map right at the moment, and like I say, it's, it, is, it is parallel with parts of Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's down at the lower than the Chicxulub crater. You know the, the the Yucatan Peninsula. I mean, it's down there, and it's about San Francisco. You're right, it's between L.A. and San Francisco, up and down. It's a long way out there. That would be a long way to get to there. And then Hawaii, which Mark said, oh, it's southwest of Hawaii, uh, no. isn't even on the map that I'm looking at. It's so far away. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's a long. The ocean's big. It's, it's really it's, big. They're never going to find Mark Harris's home. No. It's a big place. It's big. It would be like if you were in Los Angeles and you wanted to go to, oh, I don't know, Missouri or South Dakota or, you know, you're going to go to Minneapolis. Missouri. That's a, that's a Missouri little bit, is a good one. Yeah, a little bit longer away, farther away than where they were. And that's a that's a long drive. Yeah. Just just for my just for my finger measuring here on the map, you would actually you can reach the Kansas Missouri border, mm-hmm. or you get to Houston. That's, that's almost exactly. Yep. And if you've ever driven across Texas, that's even more mind-numbingly boring than driving flying across the Pacific Ocean. Um, and yet, <laughs> it isn't as far. It just feels like it. And we just alienated our one listener in Texas. No. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> well, okay, come on, bits of tech. Let's face it. The people over on the east side of Texas don't like the people on the west side of Texas anyway, and the, all the space in between they blame on the west side of Texas. So I think I think we can. Probably not an issue. Uh, the bit in the middle is just, just, wow. And it's long. All right, what else have we got here since we are uh, drifting afield from Man from Atlantis? Like as if we're just kind of drifting in the ocean? <laughs> oh yes, I love at the end. What was it that CW wanted to do? Exploit the natives. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Well, already in the beginning of it, he wanted to uh, get the uh, sealed name Baxter a good job with the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a nice guy. He is. Um, yeah. I I felt like that one was probably a joke, but I did not feel like his stuff at the end was a joke. I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about if these crystals were found lying on the bottom of the ocean floor, if they wanted to mine a few or pick some up and take them back. I, I, I don't have any problem with that. But now we find out that there's a reservation of indigenous peoples living uh, untouched <laughs> by the rest of us, and you want to go. And there's an, uh, what could be a very important natural resource there. Oh, yeah. what is a government and, to do? And that is not American territory. No, no, no. no Nobody owns that. No, no. But any stretch of the imagination could the U.S. stake claim to that water. That is absolutely an international waters out there. So, but uh, back in those days, we didn't we didn't pay any attention to international borders. <laughs> now we're trapped within our own. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anything else? I'm looking through my list here. Oh, I was kind of wondering. Uh, it was probably just a bit of 
a business that uh, the actor was doing, but there was a scene when Schubert was talking to one of his his uh, his lackeys in the uh, Kilborough Deep area. He was rolling a cigarette. So he had cigarette paper, and he was he put like it looked like a uh, a small like not it didn't look like tobacco. It looked like a, <clears throat> a branch, like a, a four inch long piece of of shrubbery that he was rolling in. That it's like okay, that's weird. And then he didn't see him do anything with it. So I don't. I'm not quite was sure it, what was it the lackey with the white hair by any chance? No, I, I think it was Odo. Huh. I think they were discussing how long they could keep mining before it was unsafe for essential personnel. <laughs> that was uh, a little bit. Yeah, I, I would. I don't know why Schubert needed to be there at all. Because he likes to control stuff. He's uh, that sort be. of hands-on guy. He's that kind of hands-on megalomaniac. That's yep. true. Micromanaging as well. Good. Oh. The real successful megalomaniacs know how to delegate and branding. They know yeah. branding. Oh yeah, look at any Bond movie. Or somebody who owns hotels and casinos, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Schubert Maj- Mahal. <laughs> Schubert Mahal, I like that. Schubert Mahal. <laughs> In Schubertvania. Yes. All right, well, next time we will be looking at Man from Atlantis again, and we will be looking at the episode entitled, and again, absolutely no logical reason to the order behind these. Just happened to be the two holes that needed to be filled. The next one is The Siren. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. John, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been interesting. (laughs) Getting a chance to renew your childhood memories. Yeah. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash FusionPatrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next week on Fusion Patrol, we'll be looking at the Bugs episode, Shotgun Wedding! And later this week, for our patrons, we'll be looking at the Babylon 5 episode, And the Sky Full of Stars. We discuss the terms of the Mimbari surrender, the worrying shortcomings of Babylon 5 security procedures, and debate how well this show emulates celebrated psychedelic shows of the 1960s. Come join the conversations on Fusion Patrol. <laughs>